Hey everyone, I'm Caroline Hill. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Legal IT Insider. Welcome to Charting Change in Legal. I'm here with Ari Kaplan. Hi, Ari. Hi, Caroline. Great to speak with you. Hi, everyone. I'm Ari Kaplan. I'm an analyst that covers legal, and I am excited this week to talk about something we have not talked about, like artificial intelligence or chat <laughs> GPT or <laughs> actually those, those those issues have evolved. So uh, anything, anything interesting that you're hearing uh, this week, Caroline? Well, do you know what? Actually, what's it, almost the opposite. Okay, so so we, we obviously we talked a little bit about GPT after Legal Week immediately after, and there was nothing but talk about GPT. I feel like things within legal. I don't know. I okay, fine. That's a, okay. That's a lie. But you know, there's not been as but, you know so many vendor announcements. It's been like a slight reprieve, although between in conversations like this, everybody's still talking about it. But I do think that. Um, you know, people have been reflecting. I've had some really fascinating conversations with law firm legal tech heads. Like, so there's one um, who, you know, when you speak to someone, it's real food for thought. Like, I had a moment to pause and just, you know, get off the GPT roller coaster. <laughs> and he said to me, you know, yes, it's it's really interesting. Um, but aside from any of the client data concerns, he said, if you have um, and he was sort of, sort of directing this at vendors a little bit. If you have a solution, actually vendors and, and law firms, if you have a solution that works really well, like machine translation, um, and it does what it needs to do, and it doesn't really need to be improved, and it's been you know worked on for some time, and it's, you've kind of refined it, it doesn't need GPT. He goes and, and he goes, you know, he said it's expensive and it's bad for the planet. Um, and I know that you and I sort of thought about this before. Ari's, <laughs> Ari's laughing at me because. We were, we were like, why is it expensive? But anyway, so, <laughs> um, but obviously we, you know, it's because um, of the huge amount of server power it takes, right? Huge amount of data center. And and um, so it was real food for thought for me, I have to say, to kind of get off the GPT roller coaster or get on in a, in a, in a different way. I don't know if any of that resonates with you. Well, I think because of where we are in the year, mid-April, and the structure of, how firms have treated a return to the office, you're starting to see much more thoughtful conversations. So in my conversations with law firm leaders, this was the turning point, right? The watershed moment for going back to the office a little bit more formally, not full time. I don't want anyone to get super nervous, but you know, a few days a week where most people are in the office has happened now. It started in the early part of the year. That's when the whole GPT conversation happened. People went wild. They couldn't believe it. They started creating poems in the voice of whatever, right? All kinds of strange experiments. And then they started seeing each other. So the work started getting done, but then there was this moment, I, I think back to this kind of idea of having a water cooler conversation and people would start to say, hey, did you see whatever? You know, what will we do with that? And I think this, the more thoughtful conversations started there were sparked in that way. Then once you have the foundation, you could kind of go back to Zoom and have a quick 30 minute. I think that the conversations that have time settings where you have a 30 minute zoom meeting and then it's sort of just end leave meeting you can't do that in person and i think that this the, the starter ha happened to have be a result of many different things but i think you're right i think definitely people are being more thoughtful about the practical approach and we saw this happen in so many different ways over the years you know with e-discovery it's happened where it was like oh we could do all these wild things let's think about how we actually apply it to a problem and you're starting to see that here which is 
which is super interesting because I think practical innovation is what most organizations are striving for. Yeah, I do think that, um, oh, oh, the other really interesting thing that this person said, which I haven't really heard talked about elsewhere, um, is about um, that, that firms appear to have been taken by surprise, you know, in the last few weeks. And he said, um, this, there were a couple of, three things that I think really resonated. The second one was that he said that, that firms that have been taken surprise by this really aren't doing their job in terms of staying on top of what the likes of Microsoft are doing. He said this, this was no surprise or shouldn't have been any surprise to anyone. He said Microsoft has been talking about generative AI for years. Um, and anybody who's been really tracking that in the way that they should, um, uh, would really have, sh this should be no surprise. And he used the example of transcripts and all of this kind of stuff that has already, you know, even predicting, you know, what you're going to say next. He said, you know, this stuff has been trailed for a really long time. This is an evolution, not revolution. And he said, um, you know, and it, and that was very interesting because a lot of law firms, unless they're really big, don't in many cases still I think I mean I, I don't want to be disrespectful to IT teams but you know I, I don't know whether I don't I'd be interested I need to look into this more so how many have that specific function somebody who is in charge of really going you know right this is what Microsoft is doing what does this mean for us and from a real analytical perspective yeah, I think it's unfair. I, I I find myself always being sort of this defender of law firms, but I I'm just trying to be a, a, a right. But I, what I'm trying to do is to be fair, you know, in in the sense of I ask. So so I did a report several years ago about financial intelligence and how that gives law firms a competitive advantage, especially as we were coming out of the the deepest part of the pandemic and law firms struggling to balance what they had going on and I just finished one that'll come out for the Association of Legal Administrators conference next month talking to COOs and both times I asked the question about how much of your your time of your day of your schedule is dedicated to strategy and innovation because that's kind of what we're talking about here right we're talking about yeah. leaders taking a moment a deep breath sitting at their desk and sort of pondering the future and they generally have a very limited opportunity to do that they desperately want to and you see a lot of firms there's a sort of an incredible community uh that that we're both a, a kind of sort of a part of i guess so, you know of the, this knowledge management community the the kind of the folks in in legal who are really driving change whether they're at the highest leadership level or you know dispersed throughout the firm but i think it's unfair yes uh where people caught off guard about yes but i think that that's been true universally Right, schools have been caught off guard, and and re uh, regular non-legal businesses have been caught off guard. It it happened very quickly, and it yeah. was super interesting. And you know, it's like, it's not like when e-discovery first came out. My kids approached me and said, "Hey, Dad, have you seen this predictive coding?" But both <laughs> both of my children texted me about Chat GPT. Both teenage, you know, like, and I just think that that's what's happened, right? Your 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 parents and your your neighbors are asking you about this. That wasn't happening with, you know, the evolution of document management. Not that those things weren't important, but this is a much more universal trend. And I, yes. And Microsoft has been busy doing this for a long time. Microsoft bought Nuance and 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 all these other companies. Microsoft and Google and you know all these other companies have been doing this for a long time. I think that standard is a very hard one to meet. Uh, but yes, now that they've been later, they need to 
be mindful of it. And I think they, I think they are. And I think I'll just say one last thing that my, in my e-discovery unfiltered research, I interview a basket of, of law firm leaders and corporate leaders at the beginning of every year for this research. And because of the way that legal week fell out, I did a bunch of interviews right before and a bunch of interviews after, but the interviews that I did before, let's say in February, didn't mention AI and ChatGPT as much as the interviews I did in early April. That was the one trend that everybody talked about. Whereas in the beginning of the year, there were concerns about the economy. There were thoughts about, uh, you know, streamlining a certain software or migrating still to the cloud. Right. All of a sudden, though, the ChatGPT conversation. So I think it, it did happen fast. So while it seems like people were caught off guard, I think we're still in a very, very early part of that cycle. That's a really good point about. So. Um... I'm about to post an article from the skills, which is a write-up of skills. So I asked Lucy Dillon, um, who's on the committee, planning committee from skills to pull out some of the highlights, particularly of the sort of closed conference that happened in New York, which I'm just about to post. Um, and she summarized some of the, there's obviously the in-person forum and then there's the earlier online one. And what was fascinating about that was that at the, in the in-person one, GPT featured really highly and in the online one where the agenda is set just a little bit before, GPT didn't feature at all, right? Which is fascinating. I mean, if you can only, so, so yeah, so people weren't talking about it. I mean, that's, so you're, you're yeah, you're right. It's a fair point. Um, and I wanna, I wanna put a plug out for skills.law. A great, no, just like a great community uh, event and a, a, a wonderful contribution to exactly the conversation that we are having, where they offer free content, incredible networking. It's just a, a, a wonderful thing that uh, Ozben Amram and Lucy and the entire team are, are doing there. And, uh, you know, and I know that it was, it was sponsored this year by LexFusion, right? So I, I just, it's great that this has been a, a, you know, something that the community has uh, at no cost and is a is a is a real a benefit that people should it's take one advantage of, my of. favorite conferences yeah. and, and the yeah. online one they're, they're already taking um canvassing ideas for next year so in terms of content and all that kind of stuff so it's really it's really worth getting in touch with those or lucy dillon to um or one of or, or ron friedman um to get to get involved i agree with you it's absolutely brilliant um, but yeah, no, so it's just, it's fast about, I mean, you, I think you, I like it. You, you always, you know, you sort of, you, you create a good sort of point about that. I think perhaps that is a bit harsh, but then on the more positive side, the last observation that I thought was really interesting was he was saying about, you know, um, what does this mean? And from an exciting point of view internally, internally for law firms in terms of the way that they could, obviously there's all sorts of things that they could do for you know, drafting or whatever. But he said, what does it mean internally for bringing the firm closer together for finding out if you're a big firm you know finding out information about what's going on in other offices or you know from an, an enterprise search um point of view you know being able to search across the firm for you know for for i don't know the example he gave was what are they having in london in london for lunch i mean that's a ridiculous example but just you know like that across the bringing and the internal um implications of what you could you, the way you could potentially leverage it i don't know he was it was it was a really fascinating conversation and slightly different from obviously the, the client data piece, I think, is is still very much an ongoing conversation. And and actually, I had an email from a, a solicitor um, not so long ago saying, "Oh, how do I, how do I get my hands on Harvey? Um, could you connect me?" And and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's probably something to be done at a firm wide level. But um, and also, and then I connected him with 
um, a couple of vendors who were doing something in the space and they said oh actually we're already working with you at a high level with your firm and I, <laughs> and I think firms need to be the excitement that you've already talked about which is fantastic it's just fantastic that people are so excited about it obviously they really need clear guidance to to lawyers you know about this you can you can't do this and I'm not I'm still not necessarily 100% seeing that happening well, and in this is, you know, I, I mean, one of the other things that we have seen over the last few weeks is that firms are starting to announce layoffs. They are streamlining their operations. And, you know, maybe there's nobody wants to hear this at that moment of a, you know, when a door closes, a window opens or whatever. I, you know, I've certainly had many conversations with folks who are in transition and sometimes it's meant to be a very practical conversation where they want to you know tap my network which i'm happy to extend or an introduction or something like that and sometimes they just want to vent and it's an emotional experience and depending on what stage they catch me i'm happy to listen or happy to provide some guidance but the one thing that i you know seems to be happening is that at this moment where there's a contraction there's all of a sudden this incredibly exciting pivotal moment where if you're really good at understanding how this works and how it can be applied and frankly just a little bit more than most people you could really gain a huge competitive advantage in your job search it's certainly a question that people will have and i i, I certainly would love to spend more time talking about it and learning about it and just being a student of where it can be applied. I definitely don't want to be just pushing something I'm not really familiar with because I think that doesn't do any that doesn't do the, the our community any good just saying <laughs> oh or, or or predicting the destruction of everything without really understanding why because I asked this came up this came up yesterday on the virtual lunch so our yeah. our uh, sponsor this month this is a company called trust point one and we had some of their leaders on and we were having this amazing amazing I don't I don't record the Tuesday conversations unfortunately we'll have another one on Friday which I do record but we had this great conversation about how cyber criminals and hackers are leveraging chat GPT in a way that makes it a cybersecurity concern. Yeah. And that was really interesting. It was super practical. They were talking about using chat GPT to draft something, to draft it quickly, to deploy it in a way that is nefarious. It was super interesting and it was very practical and you could tell the, and you know, we ended up having very granular conversations about what's covered in a cyber insurance policy, and that conversation is an important one for firms to have, and mm -hmm. is something you can have right now, and is something that the carriers are having. The other stuff about you know the transformation of the profession, we we every year seem to have a conversation about the transformation of the profession, and you know every few years it occurs. You know, something transforms, <laughs> but, but I think that, you know, in the day to day, it's it's hard to have a focus just on that. With this side, that's a really interesting point, because obviously with the phishing attacks, they've got, become so much more sophisticated, right? Like, so when they draft you that email saying, hey, Caroline, I've read all of your blogs about, you know, and you're an amazing writer. And I'll be like, oh, my God, you know, this is just, this is so me. This is I am amazing. And I did write that. Right. Like, And then so I go and they go, and would you like to click on? 
this link by this equally esteemed writer, right? Do you know what I mean? You could see, so they, it would take them potentially a really long time to do that volume of flattering everybody. But actually, and then you're like, Ari Kaplan Advisors, that's her <laughs> website. Why would I possibly <laughs> click on that button? No, spam. That's <laughs> <laughs> really terrifying because they could use it to draft a credible something or other, right? Like they could staff, do not send emails to Caroline Hill about how great you are by complimenting her. <laughs> she doesn't respond well. I'm just going to assume it's a phishing attack. I mean, like, <laughs> anyway, but we should probably move on from GPT. You mentioned earlier about going back to work in the water cooler. I think it's really interesting. Like, there's obviously, you know, um, it's been a gradual transition, hasn't it? But I know that you actually flagged to me um, the conversation about the Paul Hastings uh, letter. So I don't know if you want to kick that off because it's fascinating. It, so I want to. I want to stay. I want to stay as neutral as I can on this issue. But for everyone's uh, reference, just in case you haven't seen it, there was a what seems like a mid-level senior associate at at a law firm. We don't need to go into detail because I I don't think it's it's that important. But and probably a male. It seemed from the tone we were everyone trying to like deconstruct this thing, but put kind of non-negotiables about being a junior, it seems like everyone's kind of interpreting this, a junior associate at this firm. And there were a lot of kind of cringy things on there. And I'm sure that anybody would agree that things like you're available 20 or you're online 24 seven or something. And that, you know, you, there are all these other things on this, on this PowerPoint slide that have created lots of discussion. And they're mostly, the overall theme is sort of big laws, a tough place to work if I can simplify it and it shouldn't be as tough and there's been a lot of criticism of it and and I feel like recently so this came out about a week ago and then now that people have had time to process it other people uh, certainly uh, you know people that I know of and whose work I read have come out with a much more balanced view and my impression of this whole thing in many ways was just about expectations what are the expectations of new people getting a job like this which which to be clear is an extraordinary accomplishment like if you can get a job at a large law firm i don't care what country we're talking about you have done yourself and it's an incredible accomplishment. Yes, it's super hard. I'm not judging any of those things. It's just such a lucky gift to your career, at least at the initial stage, right? I mean, there are all these other things that happen, but like, let's not kid ourselves. People strive to do their best, their very best to get this kind of job. So, you know, then what, so what is your expectation? And then what is the expectation that people have of you? And what is the expectation that the clients have of the firm? And what is the expectation the leaders have of the people that run different areas? It it seemed to all come down to expectations and this this terrible misalignment of those expectations. And it was so it just played out in this unfortunate situation of this slide becoming very, very public. And my hope is that it creates a conversation where everyone recognizes what they expect and somehow we get closer to an equilibrium of that uh, to me so he said specifically yes yeah, so do you are 
specifically, like, so working, it's talking about working from home and you are online 24 seven. And to me, that is the biggest issue about working from home. And I think that it, I think it's good in one sense that it has brought this out, obviously in, in, in a slightly more controversial way, but I actually think it's true. I think it's a huge issue. I think that people are gonna get sick. I think that, you know, because the trouble is, whereas before, I mean, obviously, for firms, big firms, there has always been an element of you are, you know, you are available constantly. There's always been an issue over work-life balance. But I think the thing now, um, when you, and a lot of them have obviously had to go back to the office some of the time, right? So it's not like you're just at home the whole time. But I do think that there is this lack of divide now because we work from home, and you know, we all a lot of people are just really set up for it now. And um, you know, I think that and you've got, always got your phone and you've got, got your tablet. And I do think that there's a massive issue over never ever and never being off uh, off duty. And I think with firms that are global where you've got the time zone difference, you know, you might have different offices. Um, I know I, I certainly have this issue where I'm working with something, doing something with America and Australia. <laughs> At times, no one's available because they're all in bed. But, <laughs> um, but it, it, I think it's a massive thing that firms really have to think about, you know, how do they help protect people against that all, that culture of you are always online you know to, to, to the point where it's much worse than it was before well I, I i yes i agree but i don't my impression was not that you're online and waiting for that one email at three o'clock in the morning and when i practiced so i i was lucky to get a job with a large firm and, and practiced for nearly nine years and there was a time when I was a junior associate. I was sharing an office with someone, and uh, we were, I guess, vote too loud and complaining that we were still there waiting for some project. I don't remember exactly what it was, and it was very early in my career. And the, one of the partners walked in and said, "Listen, you guys have to think of yourselves more like plumbers. Plumbers don't work 24 hours a day, but they're available 24 hours a day. They're kind of on call, and." At first, we kind of laughed it off. We were like, is this person – like, that sounds unreasonable. But the I think that this the, – the, the point of this 24-7 was not that you're constantly waiting by the phone like in those days where the BlackBerry would flash with a red light and you knew you had an email. Because I shut my phone, but I work for myself. I think that the point was – there will be times when it's this isn't a nine to nine job or a nine to seven, whatever it was. I mean, you know, people always joke, oh, I work at a lifestyle firm. They serve bagels on Sunday. You know, there's been this joke. This joke is not new. These are not these are not new lifestyle issues. And it's not I don't think it's any different at any very highly paid job. I'm just guessing, you know, I don't know what, what, what it's like to be an accountant or an investment banker or in a you know, high position in consulting. But I'm guessing that they all have moments where there are real challenges. And I, I think it was just an issue of you're available. But you are right. I think a lot of people had trouble shutting down. We're just sitting at their computer watching Netflix at 11 o'clock at night, sending emails or responding to emails three o'clock in the morning. And they were just yeah. like, what on earth? Where is the line anymore? I don't there's no train there's no train home there's no change your clothes like it just yeah. it just blended so you're right like i think you know i work from home and i, I you work you work a lot of the time i know we, we yeah. travel and we do all this but you know i do think that it, it is harder than ever to, to put up those barriers and i do think for firms as well i'm always astonished by how little visibility they still have given how long we've been doing this hybrid working or working from home 
of of really what people are doing other than emails like so we did um i'm not kind of promoting any particular task management solution but i do think that firms should have a system whereby they really have visibility over what associates are doing. This is a different point. I'm going off on a tangent here, I'm going off on a rant, but you know, unless you, you know, it's it's really important because for some associates they might be, you know, have less, and then they're worrying about their promotion opportunities, and you know, and if they are if they are working in, in a firm, there are lots of firms I know of where they are substantially working from home, um, and therefore they don't have the visibility that you would do if you're in the office, and they don't know what people are doing, and so some of them maybe may well be working 24-7, you know, and, and then others might, might, you know, I, I think that that for me is one of the biggest weird things of, of the of the post-pandemic, that they just still don't know. I'll, I'll just sum up, I, I'll sum up our, our discussion today and just say that all of these things, whether it's, the, you know, the, the evolution and application of AI and ChatGPT and how people are returning to the office and what the lifestyle in certain kinds of organizations is and should be is that we are now in this moment of of having a real conversation in a lot of different ways about what the profession looks like and what we want it to look like and what it will be forced to handle it looking like because we can't stop the train of technology development. So I think that it's great. I think that we're at a great moment of having a conversation as long as people approach the conversation in an effort to empower and engage as opposed to just be heard and, and influence because then it's not it's not a dialogue anymore and I don't know that it's going to be as productive that it otherwise could be. Ari, you made it sound like we had a really great chat. Like, we just, like <laughs> I, I made it sound like real thoughtful discussion. I just summed it up. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna cut out everything else and just you know give give the last minute, and that'll be our show today. That was the best bit of all. Like that was awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right, everyone. It was my privilege to be joined by Caroline Hill. Caroline, I look forward to having our next conversation. I love that. All right. Uh, it's nice chatting with you as always. Until next time.